Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Just like that, the second hour is here. OutKick 360 rolls on. Glad you're with us. Hope everyone had a a happy holiday season. Merry Christmas and everything in between. Happy New Year coming up. Eddie George will be celebrating. There's yes. no doubt about that. Eddie's in for Withrow. Withrow's celebrating in Nebraska this week. And uh, we'll be doing some celebrating with the New Year's Six Bowl games. Uh, and what's on tap this week, plenty of good football across college football. And I say that, uh, of course, the college football playoff is, is, is factoring into why I'm saying there's going to be good football. I have no idea with some of these teams and how they show up anymore with who's in, who's out, who's opting out, who's uh, transfer portal, all of this. But the New Year's Six Bowl games, mm. uh, Tennessee Clemson, Orange Bowl. You know what? It, that's, that, that, that game is awesome because of the matchup, number one. But the fact that it's the Orange Bowl, yes. you have two teams that are orange. That, yes. It, that game should only should go to teams that are that have the color orange in there, right? <laughs> well, I'm just I'm thankful that um, what what could have happened where you have the perfect storm and you end up with Clemson, and it's not. I mean, they would have earned it, I guess. That where you have Clemson getting into the college football playoff, or you don't, and you have a situation where uh, more chaos happens, and Clemson would have played Alabama in this game, mm. Not, and it, it's just a normal matchup. This is I wanted something new and fresh. And this is what we get. You know, it's not Clemson-Bama. Even in a non-playoff right, year, right. we get the balls taking on the Tigers. And what is a matchup of two quarterbacks for the future? You have Klubnik and then Milton, and you get a good gauge, a glimpse of yeah, what's, what's going to happen. What's to come for, for both teams, yeah. Alabama yeah. does not have a single player opting out. Bryce Young and Will Anderson are both playing in this game. We know they're going to be in the NFL next year. Mm-hmm. Alabama, I want to stress this, not in the college football playoff. And their top stars are playing in this game against Kansas State in the Cotton Bowl. Which is re- remarkable. I, I Sugar think. Bowl, excuse me. We'll get to the Cotton Bowl. Yeah. Um, it, it's good to see that for college football. Um, and it's a buy-in for, for Nick Saban to say, hey, although we're not playing for technically a championship, yeah. you have a chance to play That's a one culture. more game with your teammates. Um and and ride this last one out, and and not take the approach of well, if I'm not if I'm not getting anything out of this in terms of a ring, then I'm going to look out for my future and get ready for the NFL draft. Which there's nothing wrong with that. I I I, I, can, I get it. I get it too. It's a it is this is business. College football is big business. It's a billion dollar business, and these young men are smarter than. We give them credit for they understand that it's a business and they're going to do what's in the best interest for their future. And I get it. But you have to also commend these young men to say, hey, you know what? This is still a team game. These are my brothers I'm playing with. I want to 
send them off and and lead them into you know the next offseason with some momentum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to play this last game with them. There's this there's something to be said for that nowadays. So that's that's refreshing to hear. And there's there's a culture to that with yeah. Saban and what he's done in, in Tuscaloosa, getting those. And I, I I was surprised. Maybe not with one or the other, but just that both, and that not a single player has opted out. Which is uh, playing incredible. against Kansas State, yeah. uh, Georgia, Ohio State, mm. Michigan, and TCU for the college football playoff. Uh, it starts with Michigan and TCU kicking things off on Saturday, uh, Saturday afternoon, and it's followed by Georgia, Ohio State. Just mm. first glance, what do you think about the matchup for the Wolverines and the Frogs? Well. It- I, I think it's going to uh, be a physical battle. Um, the resilience of TCU is, is their heart. They're, there's nothing really, quote-unquote, sexy about this team outside of they play hard, and they are going to give you everything they've got for 60 minutes plus. Yeah. I think they've had four or five games where they won it in the last, on the last play of the game, and they fell a yard shy of that in the Big 12 championship game. And they have a, a top 25 offense and defense. Yeah, very balanced. Yeah. Right? Um, or pass game, run game. Yeah. And their, their defense is a third in def- defensive uh, stops on rushing, yeah. I believe. Yeah. I've asked, I mean, you, you look at them on paper, you say, yeah, Michigan should win this ball game, but it's going to be a tight ball game through and through. And having watched Michigan up close and personal um, against Ohio State, there were five plays that they made that were that was the outcome of the game. You know, it was the the play action passes yeah. on the big explosives in the passing game, and of course in the, in the ground game, they stuck to the script of just pounding the football and kept going at it when it, it appeared that it wasn't going anywhere. It kept getting one yard, two yards, three yards, and finally it opened up and they got a couple of breaks here and there. And uh, I just think this game is going to come down to which team can cause the turnovers, okay, and win that turnover battle and gain a possession here or there and uh, get it. But I, I think Michigan will, uh, will win this ball game. And, and, you know, without Blake Corum, they're, they're still, you know, putting up the big yardage yep. against Ohio State, against uh, I- Iowa in the Big Ten championship game. Uh, Donovan Edwards is the key to the oh, game. Oh, man, Donovan. If, if TCU can oh. corral him, yeah. which has been easier said than done, but again, he's not Blake Corum, or we would have heard of you know, you know what I mean. Like, but the play calling for Michigan has been uh, offensive play calling has been pretty doggone good. They've been very creative in in terms of finding ways to get the ball into their playmakers' hands. Yeah, it, had, it has it hasn't been the Michigan of old where it's been very predictable. The three yards in cloud of dust. They've been doing things in formations and and setting things up to. Like, wow, okay, I didn't see that one coming to get the ball into their playmakers' hands to open up the game. And it had the force of the defense to think differently in terms of what they're doing. So I expect a couple of wrinkles for Michigan to throw at TCU's way to kind of get them off setting off balance a little bit. Um, he, Eddie mentioned he saw Michigan up close and personal. That was at the game. He was at Michigan, Ohio State, at Ohio Stadium, uh, where – Big expectations ended with uh, a lot of regret and yeah. uh, regret on, on multiple fronts. Of course, Ohio State losing to Michigan yet again. I know you came back and said, man, for another year, Ohio State's not matching the line of scrimmage play. I want to get to that in a moment. Yeah. 
but also regrets about this bet that you made with Taylor <laughs> Lewan, Yeah. where yeah. Uh, you, you had to pay off the bet, yes. and it took a couple of weeks. But here's Eddie George, uh, Heisman winner from Ohio State, paying off mm. his bet with Titans left tackle Taylor Lewan, <sighs> Michigan standout up front in the trenches. <laughs> hey, Taylor, what's up? Eddie George here. Hey, I'm a man of my word. I bet it's a bet. Um, sorry it's taking me a little time to uh, do this, but it's it's tough. It's been painful to get over that loss, the way we lost. Uh, um, but I at least wanted to get this out there before the bowl games began and so forth. Um, hopefully this brings a little joy and a smile to your face, considering all we're going through with the Titans, um, what you're personally going through. Um, may this be a gift to you, um, <laughs> but uh, this is very painful. It's painful for, for me to put on this little tight-ass jersey, which does not fit, as you can see. So I had to struggle getting in that. So that was painful. It's painful for me to wear these these colors and this, this disgusting uniform, and to sing this this disgusting song. So um, here we go. Let's get this over with, man. So you can go about your day. Here we go. Now you pale to the conquering heroes, pale, pale to Michigan. If you know Eddie, it is extremely painful for him to do this. Uh, um, yeah. He won't even say the name Michigan. Yeah. And you're singing the fight song for Taylor Lewan. You know what? I, I opened my big mouth. I, I saw Taylor at the game. I think it was okay. his first time uh, at the game without being a player. And, you know, I, I, felt, I felt very confident. In, in our in our ability, I would have to. Too. Yeah, right. So I said, "Hey, you know, we got to do a bet." And he's on the sideline. I said, well, "What is it?" I said, "Well, you know, let's do something that'll be painful for both of us. You sing my fight song in my jersey, and you know, blah blah blah." But I had the jersey and everything ready for it, packed up to go. And and then uh, he said, "Well, uh, shoot me your address," and um, shot him the address. Oh. And, his jersey comes in, and I'm like, ooh. <laughs> Forgot about this. <laughs> I said, yeah, I said, okay. I got to uh, You're I gotta, like, oh, the Luans want to send me a Christmas card. That's very yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it took me a while. It took me about three weeks to, to, to you know, to decompress, to, to get out of my system. But I said, I, I've got to get this done because um, I'm a man of my word and get it done. And, and the Buckeye faithful were upset with me. But, hey, you know what? Hey, win the game. Win the game. But um, <laughs> all in all, you know, it's, it's – um, uh, it, it was it was fun to, to to banter back and forth that way, but that damn jersey was so tight, man. I mean, uh, you look like a defensive oh my tackle. God, yeah. You see my lats in that damn I thing. Mean, the seven was stretching. <laughs> <laughs> it was just spread out like I'm not that damn big. So of course he sends a jersey that's way too small, so he knows I can't squeeze into it. So that was he was hoping it would rip. Right? Exactly. So I got the, this next one. So I'm praying mm. that. It comes down to that matchup between that team up north and Ohio State, yeah. and it works out in our favors. I'm sending him a size medium, and he's going to have to squeeze into that thing. I'm rooting for that now. I am too. Although yeah. Taylor looks like a size medium all of a sudden. <laughs> right. He's, not, he's, he's, he's playing He's trim right. now. He Props looks good. to you, Taylor. That's good. Um, how confident are you in the matchup against Georgia? Um, I'll say, you know, any on any given Saturday, you can win the ball game. Um Ohio State, uh, listen, 
their receiving core is probably the best in the country. That room is 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 really talented, and I think athlete to athlete they match up with Georgia extremely well, defensively and offensively speaking. Um, you go back and look at the LSU game that they played in the, in the SEC championship game that gave up what over 500 yards of offense yeah. to LSU. 500 passing but passing yards, and when C.J. Stroud, you know, picked to be probably the number one pick in the NFL draft, uh, was a Heisman finalist. Um, he can throw the ball all over the yard. He can he can spin it. He can get it to the the frisbee catching dogs. You know, so he's got some receivers down there. That so that is the one place where I think Ohio State has an edge. Now the question is, you know, can they win the line of scrimmage? Can they be balanced? Can they run the ball when they need to run the football? Will C.J. Stroud use his legs when he has to? And that's going to be the difference, offensively speaking. And can Ohio State's defense withstand the the body blows of that potent Georgia run offense? You know, that's going to be another factor. And I don't know if in a matter of three weeks if you can solve that. Either you're built for that and you have the mindset for that or you don't. So that's going to be a major factor. If it's a shootout, I can lean toward Ohio State to win that. But well, And the game in the trenches has been a trend yes. for them for two years now. Yeah. This is not just, oh, you saw it against Michigan. You were pointing this out last year, but this past season you're pointing out against Northwestern, for instance. Yes, yes, yes. Northwestern was a telltale sign for me. You know, when you had to run the football, when the wind is blowing your face at 10,000 miles an hour, you need a yard. You need a yard, third and one. You're Ohio State. You are Ohio State. You get that yard. You impose your will. You see, matter of fact, you tell them, hey, we're running isolation behind me on one, and we want to get this yard. And that wasn't there. So, you know, um, to me, that's championship football. That's a championship mindset. And that's just, you know, exerting dominance over your opponent. So, that's 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 going to be the biggest factor for Ohio State is can they I, win the, inside the trenches? I, I think this is going to be a great game. We do. The last time we saw Ohio State truly tested, truly tested, I know they had to play from behind and come back against Missouri, but Eddie, the SEC championship game, not this year, last year against Bama, where they lost, that to me is Ohio State in a nutshell. They can They can match you athlete for athlete for the most part, I know you're going to get to the trenches thing, and you'll point that out to me. But uh, you've got the quarterback who's a Heisman hopeful at the time. Of course, Bryce Young went on to win it. Mm-hmm. But they took down that one of the best, if not the best, defense we've ever seen in college football. Put up tons of yards and points on them. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not thinking it's a blowout in that regard for Ohio State. But I do think there are similarities to how they go about with their offensive attack against a really good but not as great defense as we saw at Georgia a year ago. The question is, based on the opt-outs, how much does that all factor into what Ohio State Smith and Jigba not playing in this game? How much does well, that he factor? A, he into? hasn't played, you know, pretty much all season. It, seemed like yeah, and the the talk has been like he's not healthy enough to play. I know that's right. been discussed and disputed, but right. I mean, not having him on one side of this offense against a Georgia defense is a it's yeah, a, I mean, it's a cer- big factor. It certainly is a big factor, and with him in the ball game, it's a, a different dynamic you have to, yeah. to be concerned about. Certainly, when you got Harrison and, and Jigba out there together, it's a problem. Um, but I, I think there's still enough talent and, uh, within that receiving core that can still present problems for that Georgia uh, defensive uh, uh, backfield. 
Um, again, for me, it's going to be the, the run game. You know, are they healthy enough running back-wise um, to to churn out those hard yards and to get things done up front? So that's that, that to provide that balance is going to be key for Ohio State. And, man, I really hope there's a rematch. I do, too. I really hope there's a rematch because then – I mean, on one side, Eddie gets his revenge, right? On the other side, on the other side. Wait, here's the thing: we we didn't we didn't bet like we didn't have the. No, I'm just saying as a as an Ohio State, you know, faithful. Yes. You know, the great. Yeah. Well, you're one of the greats. Yeah. You're looking at a possible uh, for the first time ever they would meet outside of the regular season. Right. And you're looking at possible zero and two against the Wolverines. That's not good for Ryan Day. I, li- I like Ryan Day, but man, the vitriol for that dude after that loss. Uh, you want to see, you talk about an offseason of, of heat. Ooh. He's going to face that if that's the case. I, I like the storyline. I root for the storylines. And this Ohio State Michigan for the title would be an amazing storyline. Yeah, it would be. It would be. And I, th- and I think um, Buckeye Nation is, is, uh, is, is salivating for that opportunity. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> You're going to take me to the championship game? Let's go. Let's if that's it. the case. Let's do it. Why not? Coming up, uh, by the way, it's in, uh, it's in L.A. Oh, that's right, Liz. It's SoFi. Yeah, yeah, SoFi. Great, great venue. Coming up, we'll switch gears. We'll talk NFL headlines and look ahead a bit to the playoff picture. John McClain joins us from gallerysports.com. With Eddie George, I'm Jonathan Hutton on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's awesome having number 27. The Renaissance man, Eddie George, in studio is our guest host today on Outkick 360. Chad Withrow back with us next week. He's enjoying, or I don't know, I'm assuming he's enjoying <laughs> Nebraska. He took him 13 hours to drive there and hopefully not that many hours to dig his way out whenever he's ready to come back to, to Nashville. John McClain joins us each and every Tuesday at this time from gallerysports.com. We talk NFL headlines and look ahead to the upcoming matchups a bit and We'll look up, look ahead to the playoff scenarios as well. John, welcome in. Hope you're doing well. I am. It's an honor to be on with such an esteemed actor as Eddie George, <laughs> who I miss seeing on TV shows like uh, NCIS LA, where he got in one of the best fights I've ever seen on TV <laughs> with LL Cool J, but he let he let a rapper beat him up. <laughs> it was all in the script, John. It was all in the script. <laughs> uh, who's been in more? Who's been on the screen more? You or John McClane? John, how many movies have you been in? I've been in eight, but Eddie had more and want more airtime in one episode of NCIS LA <laughs> than I had in all of my eight movies. <laughs> well, I think you deserve an Oscar for all of your work, John. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, as I told people, Eddie, that'd be for. Supporting, 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 supporting actor. <laughs> but he does have a vote for the Screen Actors Guild. I do. I do. And so yes. does John, just based on that small. I do too. Yeah. yeah. We're talking to, so you get all the movies ahead of time, yes. right? Yes, we do. See, yes, yeah, we do. I'm extremely jealous of that. 
uh, with Roe even more so. Uh, John, J.J. Watt, let's start with it. what an unbelievable career in a four-year span that would be Hall of Fame worthy in and of itself there in Houston. Uh, but learning that he's stepping away, he's retiring officially after 12 seasons. You covered him for the majority of his career there in Houston. Um, what will you remember him for? And what did you think of when you learned that he's he's officially calling it quits? I thought that he was going to play a couple more years. He's 33. He's having the best season he's had in quite a while. Nine and a half sacks, got a bunch of tackles for loss. He uh, has always played to run well. And I was looking up, everybody talks about the four-year span in which he had, uh, let's see, 69 sacks and was NFL Defensive Player of the Year three times, tying Lawrence Taylor for the most in history. Aaron Donald has since tied them. But I looked up his best six years as a pass rusher, and those best six years, he averaged 16 sacks. Hmm. That's over a six-year period. Nobody's ever done that. He, he averaged uh, 19 over a four-year period. He had over 20 two times in three years, scored three touchdowns one season when uh, he pulled a Mike Vrabel, and they put him in at tight end, and he was always left open, just like the idiots that played against Vrabel. I used to think if Vrabel is in on offense, don't you think there's a pretty good chance he's going to get the ball? And yet every time Vrabel caught a touchdown pass, must have been his great route running. And J.J. did that. And uh, and I think about that, but also think even more, I have never seen a player, and I've been covering the NFL for over 45 years, and I've been following it since I was a kid in 1960, who did more in the community than Eddie did. I'm writing a column for gallerysports.com in which I'm not going to talk about his stats. You know, anybody can look that up. I'm going to tell about five or six stories that I think people don't know all involve him and charitable things or him and things he did for people. And some of them weren't just to help people like he did when, uh, Hurricane Harvey destroyed a big part of Houston. And he did one night. We had gone from New Orleans to Frisco, suburb of Dallas, where the Cowboys trained. And the Texans were going to practice there at their facility for about four days till the coast was clear to come back down I-45. And the first night there, J.J.'s in his room, and he does a little video. And the video says, to help the people uh, from Hurricane Harvey, I'm going to donate a hundred thousand, and I'm hoping that you will help me equal a hundred thousand. Mm. And I believe ultimately that turned in to about thirty-eight million. And uh, he won the Walter Payton NFL Defensive Man of the Year award. But the story that blows me away the most about Eddie—I'm sorry, Eddie—about JJ. I got Eddie stories too. <laughs> is one time the people used to call me or email me and say. J.J. Watt came to our firehouse unannounced and gave us this, 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 and did this, this, this. And I would call him and say, uh, do you mind if I use it? He said, would you please not? It looks like I told you. And then sometimes people went public. They put it on social media, and he didn't have any choice. But there was a year in which a little girl was crying one time, and her mother asked her why she was crying. I think she's like seven or eight years old. Family's big Texans fans. And the little girl was crying because she just realized she wasn't going to be able to marry J.J. Watt. 
And mom thought it was cute and she filmed it and asked her again why you're crying. And she had like little kids do, big old face. She thought her world was over. And they put it on social media. Somebody brought it up to JJ. So then one day, this family poured into a van. They went to NRG Stadium. They told them they were going up to the ticket booth to order tickets to a concert. And they walk up to the front where you can walk into the entrance next to the team store and the ticket booth. And there was JJ with a jersey with a make-believe wedding with this little girl in which he got out on one day and ask her to marry him. And one of the PR guys is holding up a laptop and called up, here comes the bride. <laughs> and he picked her up and he danced around the lobby and while her parents cried. And parents, of course, put it on social media. But that's when I think, when I think about JJ, I think about stories like that. John, um, man, that's an incredible story. You know, he, he seems like a wonderful human being. Um, you know, when I think about the greatest players uh, to play the game um, of, of in the NFL in terms of defense, you know, I think of um, Dick Buckus, uh, Reggie White, uh, Deion Sanders, Lawrence Taylor. Um, where would you rank J.J. Watt among the great defensive players that played the game? First of all, Eddie, you would have loved to have played with him. You would have loved to have had him as a teammate. You know, he went to Arizona the last two seasons, and I've been watching the in-season hard knocks because I wanted to see him and DeAndre Hopkins. And it's amazing how many things they put on there behind the scenes showing what, not talking to just offensive linemen and defensive linemen, giving them tips, helping them out. But a wide receiver had had a bunch of tough had had a tough day where he dropped some passes. He's down on one knee, had his head down. J.J. went over there and said, you know how many times I've been knocked on my ass? And the guy goes, no. And he started telling him all the time it happened. And uh, it was going to happen to him. So it was kind of a moral of the story. Guy got up, made two or three big catches, came over and thanked him. Little things like that. And when mm. I think of what – he, he really burst on the scene at the end of his rookie year, playoff game against Cincinnati. He leaped up. Andy Dalton threw a pass. He grabbed it, and he took off down the left side and scored a touchdown. And I tell people that's when the J.J. Watt phenomenon was born. In, the, in his first playoff game, the first playoff game, Gary Kubiak won first division title, and he scored a touchdown. And, of course, he became such a fan favorite because he was always in the community. One time I asked him, why do you do so much stuff in the community? He said, well, I'm single. I got nothing else to do. When, he said, when I get married, I'll sit around on the sofa and watch Sports Center. But now I want to get out in the community and do things for people. And he was great against the run, got double teamed all the time. We'd see him in a locker room, and he has so many bruises on him where people would hit him high, hit him low. He never complained about it. But he was great against the run. He scored touchdowns, and he was a great pass rusher. And Wade Phillips was his first coach here. And Wade coached guys like Reggie White, Bruce Smith, uh, Von Miller, Ricky Jackson, some of the greatest, Aaron Donald, some of the greatest defensive players in history. And he wouldn't say which one was the best because he wouldn't want them to get mad. But he put J.J. right up there in the middle of them with Reggie White and Bruce Smith and Aaron Donald. And I think that's about the ultimate compliment you can get from somebody who coached you. 
John, from a, a massive success story to an unmitigated disaster in Denver with Nathaniel Hackett getting the can, getting the boot with two games left in the regular season, uh, his first as a head coach. Eddie and I discussed it earlier. It's it's not his fault that the Denver Broncos hired him, you know. But man, if you can if you can write a script that could describe how bad a season could go for a first year head coach known for offense, paired with a quarterback and a biggest one of the biggest trades we've ever seen in the league, and for it to go this bad, um, it's it's it, the percentage is extremely low. But Hackett made it look easy. And one of the things George Payton, the GM, who the new owner says he's going to rely on, and I don't know why, because George Payton hired him, and they hired him because he came from Green Bay. And at the time, there was talk that Aaron Rodgers may force a trade, and people think they hired Hackett because they thought it would help them get Rodgers. And Hackett's dad, Paul Hackett, is a former head coach, offensive coordinator. People thought, well, he grew up in a football family. He's got to be smart. He never called a play in Green Bay. And he was dumb enough not to keep Mike Munchak, one of the best line coaches in history, as you guys know. He brought a friend with him, and I think that friend got fired yesterday as well, while Munchak is a free agent. And when when you can tell right away that a coach is over his head, overwhelmed because of clock management and game day decisions, and he has to bring in a guy to help him then, not in the offseason, that should be a red flag. Mm. And I'll guarantee you, when teams are hiring coaches in the offseason, they're going to do a lot better homework than George Payton and the Broncos did. And then Payton made that awful trade for Russell Wilson and gave him that contract. And the new owners are saying they're going to stick with George Payton. Give me a break. John, what playoff push, what playoff scenario intrigues you the most as we go into the final two weeks of the season? Cincinnati is second hottest team in football, seven-game winning streak. San Francisco's won eight in a row. The Bengals get – they had the toughest closing schedule. They're just coming off a victory over – New England, in which the Patriots had to turn it over right at the win at the end for the Bengals to win. Now they got Buffalo and Baltimore. They get them both in Cincinnati. And uh, if they beat Buffalo and Kansas City doesn't lose, Kansas City's going to get on field advantage. And the Bengals beat Kansas City. Looking down the line, what interests me the most, if the Bengals play the Chiefs in the playoffs, that'll be four games in a year. They played in regular season last year. Chiefs beat them, played in the playoffs. Chiefs beat them. I'm sorry, Bengals beat them. Played in regular season this season. Bengals beat them. What are the odds that Cincinnati is going to beat Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes four times in a year? That's why I can't pick Cincinnati Mm -hmm. to go to the Super Bowl. And then I like you guys. I can't wait to see what happens in that last game in Jacksonville. Texans play Jacksonville. Texans may fool around and win another game and screw up the number one pick. We don't want them to. We want them to get the first overall pick. And, you know, it's it's Doug Peterson is going to want to keep the momentum going. Some people are saying, well, he should rest Trevor Lawrence against the Texans. You don't do that when you've won five of seven and your quarterback has 14 touchdowns in one interception. And I really wish that Ryan Tannehill were healthy with all the other injuries 
and Tannehill was healthy, because it's obvious Malik Will is not ready to be a passer in the NFL as a rookie. And it's just kind of like the Titans, because of those injuries, are going into games, not with just one hand tied behind their back, but two. If the Texans can limit uh, Derrick Henry to 3.5 yards on all but one carry, that shows you how little help they have on that offense. And I feel bad for Mike Rabel. Yeah, I think we had discussed this in weeks past, but he was entering a stretch that was the toughest of his head coaching tenure. You know, he's right in the middle of it, and he's trying to keep everything on the rails, but it looks like it's gone off. Al Michaels, who has been very critical of the Thursday night football schedule all year, gets to come to Nashville, and he gets to face or gets to call a game between the Cowboys and the Titans, and a game that means absolutely nothing for the Titans' playoff chances. This could this could be get weird, like. Does Vrabel decide not to play certain players in order to ensure the health or what he has left of a healthy roster for the final game against Jacksonville? Or does he try to go for a victory knowing that it can help out the morale of a locker room? I think you go for the victory. It'd be tempting to put Derrick Henry down. Eddie, I know when you played, you would not have wanted to do that. You would have fought it. No question. Uh, what What do you think? Rabel will do with Derrick Henry, knowing what he's going to face from the Cowboys and the Jaguars, the beating he'll take. Would you sit him against the Cowboys to give him an extra week's rest for the last game against Jacksonville? No, I wouldn't, um, because you need Derrick to win this ball game. Um, you're playing against the Cowboys on Thursday night. Um, you want to build some momentum. You want to build some morale. You want to build uh, the confidence back in your offense. And, and who are you going to lean on? You know, who, who are you going to rely on at that point in time? You, you just you just said Malik is not ready to be a passer in this league. They're going to have to change up some things offensively um, from a f- philosophical standpoint to find ways to move the ball. And Derrick Henry is your, your greatest uh, asset offensively speaking. So I, I'm pretty sure Derrick is not going to go for that. Listen, every game is a playoff game at this point in time. Now, it, this means nothing in terms of the playoff uh, implications, but it means something in terms of momentum moving forward. Um, because right now this team, if they get into the playoffs, it looks like a one-and-done football team at this point. Yeah, and it may not even matter, John. It may not even matter if they win or not against Dallas because that's how good Jacksonville's been playing. I hope the fans up there understand all this because I've had people ask me, you think Mike Vrabel's going to get fired? And I said, no, but if he did – if he got fired in the morning, he would have a job by noon. If he got fired afternoon, he'd have a job by sundown. But Amy Adams struck is not firing Mike Vrabel because she knows what Mike's up against and she knows he's a great coach. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Wow. Um, we know what news dumps look like. And if you don't, just look at Friday, two days before Christmas, the Friday before Christmas, late afternoon, we get word through the league confirming that Miles Austin, assistant coach for the Jets, had been – Said, been suspended for gambling. Uh, turns out, John, he was gambling on basketball. Doesn't matter. That's the policy across the league. And now we learn that he's suspended for a year. Of mm. course, Calvin Ridley, Falcons wide receiver, then traded to Jacksonville. He's eligible to be reinstated by February, I believe. Um, but nonetheless, we, we know he was going to miss the season. He actually bet on games within the league. Um, what do you make of the policy, and what do you make of the league now profiting off of these apps and these sites, but yet you can't as a, if you're a, a, a contract or a paid employee of the league, gamble on literally anything. 
Calvin Ridley was too stupid. He used his own name. <laughs> if you want to gamble, you don't need to use your name. I think it's preposterous. We see 24-7 NFL telling people to bet. And I understand it's the rules, but the rules ought to change because the NFL, the owners are lining their pockets with what could be $100 billion around the world within five years. That's why they play around the world, because of gambling. They're going to go back to Germany. They love the Germans to gamble, just like mm. the Brits. They've been gambling on sports a lot longer than we have. And so I think it's ridiculous to to fire, to suspend a coach and a player like that for doing what the NFL is telling everybody to do. Think about how many players and coaches and staff members have gambled on anything of but course. football. And they what, gamble on football. Give yeah, me a break. Well, of course they do. But like in, in this case, all we know is that Austin was betting on basketball. And I mean, just the, the idea that you're suspended for a year for that is just mind-boggling to me. But Deshaun Watson gets 13 weeks. Oh, now that's a great point. That is a great point. Makes no sense. Hmm. Um, and, you know, it's a news dump because they don't want that to be the headline, but they're trying to send a message to help the integrity of the game. I get it. I, I would, if I'm the league, I don't want players or personnel or anybody betting on games because then you're putting right. certain situations like this week in right. a meaningless Thursday night football game at stake. I get it. But it, who cares if they're betting on the NBA? <laughs> just zero, it makes zero sense to me. I mean, just you to, should I, never be able to bet on your team. Ever. True, true. And it opens up a debate about Pete Rose. Then they are going down the rabbit hole. We don't need to no go down. But yeah. <laughs> John, thank you as always. Appreciate you. Uh, happy New Year to you, and can't wait to catch up next week. We're going to have everything in clear view for Week Seven, Week Eighteen. Now, excuse me. Happy New Year to you, you guys. Eddie, it's great seeing you. As always, I look forward to seeing you on the big screen and the small screen and on my cell phone soon. <laughs> you're too you're too good to be sidelined. Maybe you need a new agent like me. Yeah, hey, you, you hey, more than happy to be my agent, brother. Anytime, John. Good seeing you, brother. Love you, man. Great. Thank you, guys. There's John McClain. You can follow him on Twitter, social at McClain underscore on underscore NFL, and also check him out at gallerysports.com. Uh, he mentioned the NCIS LA yes. filming yes, that you did. This was five, maybe six years ago now with you and LL Cool J. Yes. And the fight that you guys got into after rehearsing for a scene. Yes. And it caught Eddie off guard. We'll get the details of this. <laughs> the time he fought LO Cool J. That's next on Outkick 360. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Eddie George co-hosting today. Glad you're with us. Coming up in about 35 minutes, we'll have Mookie Betts with us. Joining the show via Zoom. Looking forward to that conversation. Um, Eddie, I met him for the first time with you. We were grabbing cigars somewhere downtown. I can't remember where, but it, it was you, Mookie, and Ray, Ray Lewis. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Withrow and I showed up acting like we were supposed to be there. <laughs> and uh, we looked way out of place. Because we showed up a sports coach. You guys are like just hanging out like, like today. You know, and we showed that we I do didn't remember deserve that. to be in your yes, presence. I, I do remember that. That was a good night. That was, that was, a, good a, night. was a blast. Yeah, it was. Um, I love this story. This is one of my favorite stories with Eddie because I call him the Renaissance man. He is. He can do everything. Uh, Broadway um, to what we're about to get into. Of course, 10,000-yard-plus uh, rusher and Heisman Trophy winner, head coach, uh, philanthropist, much more. Um, <laughs> father. Author. Um, DJ. Author, author, DJ, yes, thank you. But your acting performance with L.O. Cool J took a turn. Set us up for the scene. We've got a still photo of this where you were in NCIS L.A. Yeah. This was roughly 2017, if yes, we had to some, guess. Somewhere around there. I can't remember the exact year, but um, this is why well, L.L. and I go back, way back to my rookie year. I did an episode on In the House, when he had a sitcom. Okay back in the day and i grew up an ll fan we stayed in touch throughout the years and when i stopped playing football got into acting and um got on ncis it's i played played two episodes so oh uh, there's two there's two episodes so the first one there was no fight scene you know simply i think it was that one here where we're on the same we're, we're uh, on the same team we we kind of um what was your the, role my role was uh we knew each other from uh, our military days. Okay. So I forgot my character's name. Uh, we'll just say Leon for now. Okay. So right. Leon uh, is, is you know, the old buddies and they go back. Uh, so this particular episode, um, I kind of, my character kind of gets in trouble with like some gambling debts and I had got hooked up with some really b- bad people and they're holding hostage my daughter and I have to carry out this assassination and L kind of picks up on it. So there was a scene where he sees me and he f- chases me down. We get into this fight and I run off and go do what I have to do. So in the <laughs> rehearsal, we, we go through, we rehearse, we go through all the moves. I, I'm clearly, I have to win. Right. You just got to run off and do what you have to do. Have to do. So I, I, I get the best of them. Now, how long rehearse? Like, uh, like a night before type deal? This or? is a couple of hours before. Okay. So, okay. we go through the blocking, we go through the moves. Everything is choreographed, and um, it, it runs smoothly. But then there's like a break in between the rehearsal and the actual fight. So we come back, and then I come back to it, and I'm thinking we're going to run through the same thing, but it's completely changed. Like now, all of a sudden, I'm getting slapped in the ribs. <laughs> And uh, I'm getting tossed over, and it's I get in the arm hold that you know. Oh, you feel like an arm bar? An arm bar, right? And we're running this scene all like multiple times, and each and every time we're doing it, it's like arm wrestling. You know, it was literally like, I, who's the strongest in the room? Yeah. Like it was, it was yeah. like that. And yeah, you got me on the first take. The first I got take, you now. but 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 it, during the during the actual fight. Though it be got a little like competitive, like he would slap me in my ribs, and I'm like, okay, all right, here we go. So I slap him in his ribs, and every move was just a little, a little jolt here and there, like the nose. Yes. Like, okay, who's the stronger guy? And you see, Al was a pretty buff dude. I mean, he was just pressing up 125 pound dumbbells the other day. <laughs> so 
you know, afterwards, I just remember it was about an hour of this. And I go back to my room and I just say, you know, oh, my God, it felt like I played in a game like I got hit by the Ravens, you know, like I played against the Ravens, like their defense. I'm sore. I get I set up a uh, an ice bath and a hot tub. I get a massage, and I I mean, you can see the the bruise marks on my ribs. <laughs> my my like a UFC arm fighter. is swollen, and he has um he invites us over to his house for the fight. I think it was Roy Jones. Uh, no, it wasn't Roy. It was uh, who was the big fight uh, back then? It was a big fight on the Pacquiao Mayweather, maybe or I'm... something along those okay. lines. I, I can't remember who it was. And then I get over there and I'm like kind of walking slow. And he says, "Yo, B, yo, I got to tell you, man. Hey, you're a strong mf'er. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> He's like, man, I am so sore after yesterday. I said, man, I'm sore too. I'm like, what were you thinking? He's like, man, you know, I just got competitive and then, so we were just, we had a good laugh about it. and uh, But, man, I tell you what, it, it, he's he, he's a strong dude, man. It was, it was strong style. Yes. Yeah, I bet it was so. uh, Mayweather-McGregor at this time period. It had to have been Mayweather-McGregor. No, no uh, who was it? it I, now it's going to bother me. Well, I, I, it sounds like you had the best fight. Yeah, it was. Do you know I, which take yeah. they, they actually put in the they episode? spliced it up they spliced okay. everything up i had to, just had to flip them over my back i mean i wish we could show it right i do, now. I do too that would have been it would have been great i, I, I would love that it was real. Um, really real I, I i've never actually seen it oh really the actual episode no and i had no idea you're in two episodes. I, you know i'll find out which one it was how about that i, I right. think i can find out and then we'll have, we'll, we'll post it we'll yeah, show send it. it to us yeah uh, some fights in the NFL for playoff position. We've got a glance at the NFL playoff picture for the AFC and NFC when we come back. And Eddie's going to give us his top five running backs in the league right now. And then we'll run through his top five all-time. And, yes, the all-time list took way longer for him to decide on, especially for number five. Details there, plus Mookie Betts in hour number three. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick Network. <laughs> 